So um, hopefully this doesn't sound like I'm bragging, but I've walked about a thousand miles since March 8th. Are you proud of me for that? Does it show? It shows, right? Um, on my walks, we're fortunate enough to live in a, an area where we have some trails and outdoor sort of stuff in our neighborhood, so I don't just have to walk where houses are, I get to get out just a little bit. And um, I've seen some, some cool things along the way. I've seen, I saw a six-foot bull snake slithering across the path into the, to the weeds. That was kind of creepy. It was one of those, I just saw it, ugh, snakes are... I saw a snake pancaked that was about five feet long on the street. Someone had ran over a, a, a large snake. I've seen a bullfrog, huge bullfrog. I've saw, seen deer. Two deers came running across the road, almost got hit by a car. I see a hawk almost every day looking for his lunch, and he's just flying around, pretty majestic little creature. I've seen a bald eagle. eagle. Did you guys know there's a bald eagle nest at Stanley Lake? So they must come and hunt sometimes in, in my neighborhood. And uh, I've seen these really strange, like, honeybees, and they'll be on the, the path, and when they see me coming, they, they take off like a flying saucer. They just go straight up, and then right at my face, every, every time. And then uh, I've see, I see, not to be gross or anything, but this weird animal poo of some sort. It's definitely not dog or horse. It's got like berries in it, so if you can identify what creature that might be, I, I have no idea, but I thought, does, does Bigfoot live in our neighborhood or something? Because it definitely looks out of, out of the ordinary. And I found a set of bones one time, like a big old long, like, looked like a femur bone. I was like, is this CSI Arvada, where, where we live out here? Is it a crime scene? And then the grossest and yet most fascinating little creatures to me are these little grasshoppers that, that attack me along the way. And they're about, seriously, not more than an inch or, or, or less. And they, they have, you know, think of the, how small they are. Their little legs don't weigh anything. And these little grasshoppers can jump about this high in the air and go about six feet. And it's crazy like, I, that to think that if, if we had that kind of power, we'd be like superheroes jumping up in the air. I mean, they have that kind of power to just jump. I say all that to say, like, God's creation is pretty awesome. Like, he is a creative genius, and, and creation is his artwork. It's his it's handiwork. And the thing I wanted to remind you of this morning is as beautiful as creation is, the mountains, the ocean, animals, all of that, um, only you and I were created in the image of God. All those other things are just his artwork. We actually were created to reflect what God is like, who God is like. We have that privilege of being created in his image to do that. And the thing that we have to remember is God's first and foremost um, character or attribute is that God is love. Everything else of his characteristics flow out of the fact that he's love. His holiness, his justice, all of that flow out of the fact that God is love. And so we're in this series called One Word. And as what Brian was praying earlier, that our world is hostile right now, angry, polarized. And as I was praying about what we should talk about this fall, 
this 1 Corinthians 13, this word called love, that one word that describes God, that describes the gospel, that describes how Jesus wants us to to live with one another and and take care of one another and treat one another. So we're, we're trekking through 1 Corinthians 13, and if you remember, the challenge the first week was to memorize the whole chapter, or at least verses 4 through 8. And you can go to the app and look at digital resources, and it, you just click on it, and it's right there in the palm of your hand. But our lovely Miss Dinah made me a bookmark for my Bible, and it's laminated 1 Corinthians 13, and she said if you want her to make one for you, she'd be glad to do it. So see her outside afterwards. Dinah, do this. She's, she's the lovely, elegant lady on the front row here. She thinks I'm kissing up to her right now. But. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love <clears throat> never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Love lasts forever. What we do in love lasts forever. Now, one of my other challenges for you and I in this passage is to, if God is love, which he is, replace the word love with God as you read and memorize that. You'll get to know what God is like if you have any questions. God is patient and kind. God is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. God does not demand his own way. God is not irritable. God keeps no record of being wronged. God does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. God never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstances. God lasts forever. Isn't that a cool way to see that passage? Super helpful. So today we're going to talk about the reality that, that love is humble. Love is humble. It's, it's the opposite of being proud. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Love is humble. Now, jealousy and boastfulness or bragging, those two things flow out of our pride and our wounded egos. We get our egos wounded and, and then we get jealous or we, we become proud and it flows out, out of that. To, to be jealous is the opposite of being grateful. Jealousy is, why didn't I get this person's life? Why didn't I get that person's looks? Why didn't I get that person's stuff? Why didn't I get that promotion and that person did? Jealousy f- flows out of, of an ungratefulness. The key to, to jealousy is to look in your own life and see where God's blessed you and to, to thank him for that. To brag, it comes from the old word windbag. Your bag of wind, that's to brag is you're, you're, you're a windbag. It's, it's outwardly... It's an outwardly display of pride that you need to remind everybody. We need to remind everybody of our accomplishments or how good we are or whatever. That's what it means, means to brag. We do it for attention. And it come, it's just the opposite of love because it's, it's finding its sense of security, finding its sense of, of identity within uh, what people think of us. 
So that's where arrogance flows out of that. Arrogance is a, a sense of superiority over somebody else, and it gets rubbed wrong when we don't feel superior or somebody doesn't acknowledge that. James 4, 6, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What an amazing scripture. He opposes the proud, but he gives unmerited favor to the humble. We have to remember that God is humble. God in himself is humble. Think about how Jesus came into this world. He didn't come in a limousine. He didn't come in a Rolls Royce. He didn't come with money and trappings and all of that. He came as you know, a babe in the manger. He came in, in humble circumstances and, and lived his life in humility for us. He shows us what God is like. And so humility is not being bashful, shy, timid, or weak. Humility is a confidence in God. It's a confidence and a dependence upon God. So humility, just like love, is a choice. It's not a feeling. You can't work up humility. It's something that you pursue. Humility is produced by abiding in Christ, by abiding with Him. And it's something to be practiced. Like we can practice at becoming humble. I wish there was a pill we could take and instantly our pride was gone. But that's, that's not how it's going to happen. It's something that we cooperate with God. Here's something that I know to be true. The humble people are secure people. They're secure in their confidence in who God is. They don't need other people's approval or acknowledgements in order to, to feel secure. That comes from our relationship with God. So the antidote to pride is humility. And so what I want to talk about in the next few minutes together is how do we express love through humility? If love is humble, how do we express that? The first thing I would say is to stay teachable. If you're taking notes, to stay teachable. To be teachable is to be open to suggestions. It's to be open to correction. It's to be open to constructive criticism. There's constructive criticism is done in love. Then there's destructive criticism, which is meant to tear us down. Never is destructive criticism a good thing. But constructive criticism is actually a test of our humility. If, if we can take someone's critique not criticalness, but they're, and, and, and seek somebody else for their help and be teachable on that. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 4, he said, so anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Little kids are awesome, right? They're asking questions. They're, they're, they're trusting. I was watching last week, Scott Troutwine had his grandson just sleeping on his, his shoulder, and I thought, what a, a picture of the father into his children. And I think for, for us to remember, little children are, they're trusting and ask questions. And, and there's a difference between childish faith and childlike faith. Childish faith is a, is a faith that doesn't mature. And we don't want that. But childlike faith, we want to always have that ignited in us. To be childlike is my kids, when they were little, they would want me to hold them, and they'd put their arms up and look up at me and say, hold you? <laughs> hold, they meant, hold me, Dad. Pick me up. And there is this dependence that a child has on their parents that we lose as we get older. And God wants us to know and depend. And Je Je I can picture Jesus 
his, in the context of that passage is he's, the disciples asked him, Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Who's going to be the greatest? And in other words, who's going to have the elite status? And Jesus calls a child over to him and brings the child into his lap. And he says, this is how you get into the kingdom of God, is become like a little child. Have this dependence and confidence on the Father the way a child does. So, so teachability, when we're saying stay teachable, has to recognize that we haven't arrived, nor do we ever arrive to some, some place. We stay teachable. That's what humility does. Teachable people, according to the Proverbs, are likable people because they're not arrogant. They're, they're teachable. And, and teachable people are wise because they seek the counsel and help from others. Life humbles us. When we fail, we realize we don't have it all figured out, and it has that way of, of humbling us. The older you get, the more failures you experience, the more you realize, wow, I haven't arrived. I need to stay teachable. And I was thinking about this childlike faith. I was thinking about uh, my friend Chris and his wife Sherry uh, come to Novation, and he, they brought, used, used to bring Steve, her, uh, her little brother, and he was... Um, he was born with Down syndrome. I don't know if you guys remember Steve or not. He passed away uh, a little while ago, but he, he lived longer than, he, than they thought he would ever live. And I remember one time he was sitting right here in these chairs, and we were at the end of our teaching, and we went back into a worship song. And I remember seeing Steve just worshiping. He had his hands up in the air like this, and his eyes closed and a big old smile on his face, singing to God. And I got off stage and walked over to him, and I gave him a hug, and I whispered into his ear. I said, Steve, God is so pleased with your worship. And uh, he smiled at me, and guess what he said? He goes, I know. <laughs> and I was like, you're the man, bro. Like, that's, that's, that's a heart. He had a, ch- a childlike heart that God wants us all to have in staying teachable. Second thing I would say how we express love through humility is to give preference to others. Give preference to others. Not an easy thing to do. But we're told in Romans 12.10 to be devoted to one another in brotherly love and give preference to one another in honor. That word brotherly love is, is the opposite of empty, insincere flattery. You know, you know there's, a, there's a sales technique that people are taught like going door to door or if you're selling at the mall, at the kiosk, and you've got to stop somebody and get their attention. You, 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 like if I was, somebody comes to my door to sell me something, I have my Rockies hat on. They say, oh, go Rockies, right on. I like the Rockies. Then all of a sudden, we're going to have this connection, and I'm going to be interested in what they want to pitch to me. And psychologically, they, they actually call it finding that person's hot word. What's something that means something to someone and go after that in a manipulative way, not in a good way, not in a loving way. And so give to, devoted and brotherly love and give preference to one another. How do we give preference? I think there's three simple practical ways is letting others go first. I mean, from the most practical way, let someone eat before you or let someone fill their plate before you do. It's the simple that but it's also maybe at the supermarket, you know, you let somebody go before we do that pretty good now in the social distancing thing, but you know what it is when you're in a long line or, or when you're driving 
Do you let traffic in? Do you prefer somebody else? That's hard. But those are the most practical ways of learning how to give preference to people. People were drawn to Jesus, his grace, before they were ever drawn to or or understood that he was the son of God or his divinity. As a person, he gave preference to people, and it exuded love and humility. And so for all of us, learning, learning to love God, Jesus said the most important commandment was to love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And one of the best ways we can express worship to God is by preferring others, by loving our neighbor. That, that honors the Lord. The third thing, way we can express humility, love through humility, is admit when you're wrong. How easy is that? It's not. You remember, anybody remember the show Happy Days? Remember Happy Days? It, Google it if you, want, if you watch it on YouTube. But Happy Days was set in Milwaukee, Wisconsin during the 1950s. And one of the main characters was Arthur Fonzarelli. Remember the Fonz? Hey, <laughs> exactly. He would do the thumbs out. He was a real tough guy. And he wore a leather jacket and rode a motorcycle. And I remember in one of the, one of the episodes... He had done something wrong, and he was trying to admit that he was wrong, and it was hilarious because he, he would go like this. He'd go, I was, I was, he couldn't formulate the words, couldn't even come out of his mouth. I was, me and Janelle have a little joke at home when we're, one of us are wrong, we go, I was, we don't, you know, you don't say the full word, but I was, Proverbs twenty eight thirteen. a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. Asking for forgiveness, confessing our faults, takes humility. And humility comes from that confidence in God and dependence upon God. A friend of mine um, told me that recently his, his wife had to go on a business trip and she was leaving him home to hold the fort down with the kids. So he was, in, he was in charge of the domestic stuff. And she calls the first night and says, how are things going? And he said, not good. He said, he said the dog died. She was like, what? That's horrible news. We've had that dog for a long time. And um, he said, yeah. And she said, you know what? I'm kind of ticked at you right now. Why did you just throw this on me? I'm on my business trip, and you tell me the dog died. I mean, you could have taken your, your time in doing that over the course of the week. You could have, you could have told me, hey, day one, the, the dogs on the, got on the roof. And then, like, the second day, you could have said the dog fell off the roof, and, and it got hurt really bad. It's not looking good. And then you could have built me up to, hey, the dog died. And he said, honey, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? She said, yeah. She said, let's change the subject anyway. She said, "Um, you know, I I know my mom was coming, going to swing by the house and check in on you and and the kids. And and I know you two don't get along very well. Um, How'd that go? And he said, "Uh, she's on the roof. (laughs) She's on the roof. Thanks for laughing. That was a good one. I saw some of you anticipating, what is he talking about here? In all honesty, the other day, um, Janelle and I, we rarely 
rarely argue. And when we do, it's over really dumb things. You probably can relate to this as couples. It's usually fighting over something really stupid. And in this particular conflict, I knew I was right. Like, I, there was no way I was wrong in this situation. And it's one of those where you're f- willing to go toe-to-toe because I am right. And she, she, I was frustrating her by being right when in the whole situation. And we, we dropped it, and the next morning I was like, I'm still kind of ticked about this whole thing. I mean, I was right. And she gently pointed out to me how I was wrong in the situation. And I went, I was... <laughs> As I ended up having to admit to her, I was totally wrong. She, and in that situation, I was like, dang, man, like... I was wrong. Learning to, admitting we're wrong and confessing our failures is freeing. It's freeing to say, you know what, I blew that. I missed that. I failed there. That's actually going to conform our hearts to the likeness of Christ in such a way. It's humility. The last thing I would say about expressing love through humility is keep walking with God. This kind of summarizes all of that anyway. Keep your walk with God close. Humility is dependence on God. He's the creator, we're the creation. It's putting God in all of your, every area of your life. Work, play, hobby, relationships, decisions. God, depending upon him. I love Micah 6.8. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Walking humbly with God means dependent upon Him and confident and secure in who He is and His love for us. As we walk with Him, He'll he'll work humility into our life, and we'll see it expressed in love. He'll change us from the inside out. He transforms us as we walk with Him, as we as we read the word, as we, as we pray, as we fellowship with one another, he begins to change us from the inside out. Again, I told you, memorizing these passages is going to be super helpful for you to know God better, to know what he's like, and for you to know how he wants you to live and watch him work in it. So again, if you want a bookmark, Dinah, see Dinah, if you if you haven't taken the challenge, we have several weeks left. Try it. Try memorizing that and see what God wants to do. As I was thinking about this message and how to bring it to a close, it's like, you know, be thou humble. You know, <laughs> it, it doesn't work like that. It's something that you and I need to, to practice. So practice those four things uh, of staying teachable. Give, practice giving preference to others. Practice admitting when you're wrong. And then keep pressing in to God. Keep pressing in to the Lord and what he has for you. Let me pray. Father, I pray for those in this room that are carrying burdens right now, struggling, struggling with life, struggling with people struggling with the situations that we find ourselves in. I pray for for your leading and guiding in their life. We open our hearts up to you, God, our minds. 
Lead us away from darkness into your light to follow you, Lord. Lord, we humble ourselves under you, our creator, our humble God. We humble ourselves before you. And we say and confess we need you. We're dependent upon you. We're grateful for Jesus. We're grateful for the Holy Spirit, Father. We're grateful for your truth. Lead us in truth. God, I pray a blessing of joy and peace over this church family, Lord. Lord, let your peace and voice rise up inside of each one of our hearts. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.